0: Well, it was a long weekend this weekend. I was at the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo in Chicago at the McCormick Place. And I was on a panel for a STEM panelist. Um, It was about STEM education and how it can change the world that we teach in. Now, that being considered, I have the panel up uh, coming after this intro. I just want to say it was a great opportunity. And I am so amazed by the fact that not only does a Comic Con have a day dedicated to educators... But education-based panels are beginning to bleed into the rest of the week. Everything from gender identity in comics and in the classroom to uh, talking to RL Stein. Um, obviously, the best question to ask him would be, "What are you afraid of?" In addition to that, um, beyond the education stuff, I was actually able to mix education and my press obligations to have my students ask questions to some of the comic book creators, including the artists of Batman. And you can find my um, you can find my interview for that. Coming up on the DC Comics Squadcast. And that is another podcast that's available through any of your pod catching or pod any those things. <laughs> I don't know what you use. So whatever you're using, uh, check out the DC Comics Squadcast. You'll find a interview with Tom King and Joel Jones, who are the creators of the current Batman run. Tom King is by far one of my favorite authors right now. But enough rambling about how awesome of a time I had onto the panel. And please bear with me, I did the best I could to recover the audio. I used two different mics and two different recording setups and did the best I could with what I had. If it sounds choppy, I do apologize, but we work with the equipment we have. Thank you, and thanks for listening.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming. Little FYI, full disclosure. It's my first time moderating, so be kind. (laughs) Um, Just quick about me, because I'm the most important one up here. I am a kid writer. I am currently uh, shopping a graphic novel about female, early female puberty. It's on my chest, <laughs> uh, really. Uh, estrogen is a superhero, so I have been dealing with STEM a bit because of doing research and just frankly being a human needs to deal with STEM. So. Welcome, and we're going to explore how our panelists and take questions from you on how to use graphic novels and comics, et cetera, and STEM, and what you've been doing, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, I would like each of the panelists to tell us a little bit about themselves and how you guys use STEM either in the classroom or real life or wherever you use it.
0: Well, hello. Uh, First off, i got a question. How many of you have been to our panel before? Awesome. always good to see you guys back. Um, I'm Mike Espinosa. I am a STEM teacher. Uh, I used to teach just all of STEM. Now I mostly teach computer coding and robotics and it's really really fun. Um, I use STEM comics in my classroom as a model for my students to take away the fear of um, that, that STEM is for somebody else. I want them to see themselves as a as a person that can do STEM. I want them to see A girl I want them to see a person of color I want them to see somebody from a disadvantaged background all of those things can be found those characters can be found in comics I'm sure Jim will tell you more about that in a moment Um, so yeah that's me how about you Jim
1: yeah how about you Jim hey
2: it's on (laughs) hello everybody I'm I'm Jim McLean I've been a teacher for 31 years (laughs) yes where are my teachers at All right now we're talking So uh, I have created a comic called Solution Squad. How many of you have heard of Solution Squad before? I love to see that, that's so wonderful. Um, I've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it for the past four years at panels like this, guess what? It's done, it's actually here today. We're very happy about that. So I use it, I use my comic in my classroom. I'm a seventh grade math teacher in Elkhart, Indiana. I use it in my classroom in three different ways. I use it for a direct instruction. The main story in the book is about prime numbers and then prime factorization. It's very overt. It's very clear that we're learning about prime numbers and prime factorization. The second way I use it in my classroom is the characters. The characters themselves have math-themed powers. They have math-themed names. The vocabulary of mathematics is there. Whenever they do the things that they do, it reinforces the skill, in fact, so subtly sometimes that the students don't even get it. Later on, when they say, oh, abscissa runs along the x-axis and ordinate her twin brother flies and dives along the y-axis, they go, hey, that's just like when we graph on the, oh. (laughs) So sometimes it's so subtle they don't see it at first. Uh, The third way is through the use of what I call subliminal learning. Some of the panel layouts and the actions that take place on the panel are actually examples of things that are done. For example, I have one scene in the book where um, their, their SS symbol for Solution Squad is they have a table shaped like the SS logo, which tessellates. And the next panel where they're talking reverses the camera angle. The, you see all the characters switched around in position, but the SS logo stays the same. It's just an example of rotational symmetry, but the kids don't even know that. They just understand that the angle has changed. So a teacher then can bring that up and say, hey, remember that scene? That's rotational symmetry. They go, oh so I use it in three different ways it was constructed that way I did it on purpose yeah it wasn't an accident I did it on purpose to provide launching points for other teachers and to then provide lesson plans that are built around the stories so that's what I do Uh,
3: my name is Amy Hopkins and I've been in education for ten years uh, eight of which were in the classroom the last two I've been an instructional coach um, supporting teachers with curriculum and best practices and things like that. And um, not to sound too much of the same, um, but I bought Solution Squad the first issue when it came out, when I saw Jim's panel, and Brandon bought it. And I not only used it for math, but I also used it for um, ELA and art as well. Hmm. So kind of bringing more of that steam instead of just STEM. And I had my students create their own members of the Solution Squad and having those powers and being able to research and explain why and what would go, how they would fit in with those different areas of science and math, and having to use calculations to figure out I can have this power, but I can't have that one. Um, and going and then using solutions, well the way, that Jim described it as well.
1: Cool. Um, I'm Karen Harding.
4: I'm executive director and CEO for the Society of Women Engineers. We're a 40,000 plus uh, global member organization for women in engineering. Um, beginning from collegiate engineering students through uh, women who are are now retired from the profession. Um, Our our mission is really kind of threefold. First, um, we want to engage young women, um, their parents and educators in engineering as a potential career for them. Um, Then for those that are in the profession, we want to provide them with networking and professional development to help them be successful in their careers. Um, And then we really want to showcase the contributions women make to the profession um, through our publications. Uh, We have a large uh, awards program. Um, Sadly, the gender gap in engineering is not closing. So um, one of the things we did about a year and a half ago is we launched our comic book series, Constance and Nano. Um, I've got a couple of issues here. We have uh, many more in our booth if you want to stop by and pick them up. Um, But really, it it features Constance, who is uh, just a a regular young girl, and Nano, who is a a superhero with um, not only engineering powers, but really the ability to talk about engineering in a way that I think is really relatable for young people, um, particularly young women. Um, it showcases real women engineers within each issue. Um, and they really tackle uh, an engineering challenge that uh, impacts lives. So in the first issue, uh, they tackle flooding in the, in the local town where, where Constance lives. And so really um, highlighting some civil engineering concepts. Uh, And then in the second issue, uh, Constance and her mom are traveling on an airplane that's hit by lightning. Um, And so we we tackle aerospace engineering and some electrical engineering, and and really just showcasing engineering as something that um, everyone can be part of, um, and really showing what engineers do. So it's not just old white guys in cubicles, um, but it's really a diverse profession where you are changing people's lives for the better.
1: That's actually a great segue into one of my first questions for you guys. So, Karen's touched on it already, but how do you get educators excited and knowledgeable about STEM so then they can encourage their students? To Karen's point, I was certainly raised to believe engineers and mathematicians were old, gray-haired, white men in cubicles. So I'm a little shocked they're not. So can we, share, can we share how they changed and what you guys can do about
0: that? Um, I'm gonna start since that's kind of one of the things I've been pushing a lot in my building lately as well as every educator I meet. Um, it's a simple fact that representation matters. Uh, it really does. And um, I'm a SWE member, a Society of Women Engineers member as well. And the Constanato books, as soon as I saw them, I found teachers to give them to. I, I pretty much read them and I dragged the teacher in and I said, here, read this, you need this. And now it's part of the curriculum for our Project Lead the Way um, space, uh, space flight unit. I don't teach space flight, I teach robotics, so I don't know what it's called. <laughs> um, but no, it's now a part of it, and it's the sharing of materials, it's sharing of resources. And I actually learned something from Jim, um, and uh, being on panels and talking to him all the time, is that even in the naming of my character, in the naming of my, um, the people, in my word problems so it's no longer you know um, Dick and Jane it's now you know Hilda and you know Asan and that makes a difference in what our students see because when you see yourself somebody who looks like you in that job then that job is open to you and that needs to happen far more often than it does. That's a great idea naming, I
1: hated word problems that makes them much more fun. Anyone else
4: want to chime in here? I mean, I'll just kind of piggyback on that. I think it's really having the diverse role models. So, uh, you know, materials that that show women and people of color in these roles. Um, You know, if you have the opportunity to invite um, uh, those that are are working in the field into the classroom or to after school activities, um, you know, to reach out to organizations like SWE or uh, Society of Black Engineers or Hispanic Engineers know we can find those diverse people to come and talk and, and be part of your events because I you know it goes back to the you have to see it to be and, and if you don't have role models um, you know you're gonna think it's not for you and that's just not the
3: case I completely agree with that it's our culture so visual that if you don't see it it doesn't exist um, so that's one thing that with different books that I'm bringing to my classroom making sure that my students are able to see themselves because they may read in a regular text, but if they see it in a graphic novel or they see someone speaking about it who looks like them or sounds like them, it brings it to a whole different level.
2: And I'm gonna apologize right up front for sounding self-serving and talking about my book all the time, but identifying that weakness, identifying that need is why it came about in the first place. As Mike pointed out, when I started making worksheets and things, they were so generic and so white bread, and I hate to say that word, but it it was white bread, that I had to spice it up a little bit with something different, and one of the things I did was change some of the names to reflect my students, but I also changed some of the names to reflect superheroes, which is something I was interested in at the time. It's not an accident that I have four girls and two boys on my team, and that the leader is a Mexican girl, the second in command is an African American girl, and you go right down the list, the two boys are actually kind of followers, um, so, The the boys have enough characters that are out there you know being super and and stuff like that So I said I want something to reflect my girls and my daughter's Chinese. She's adopted from China She's on the team as well I wanted her to have a character because there just weren't a lot of characters out there that she could identify with and When I made this up we had just gotten her referral from China So it was like very early on that that she became a part of my, my squad
1: I was wondering, just for educators or parents out in the audience, um, educators obviously, librarians, parents are important. I mean, they're the role models that can push our kids into STEM, right? So do you guys have specific resources that you can share with the audience that they can go to? Jim, your solution squad is definitely one of them. But I was wondering (coughs) if uh, the other panelists, or Jim if you have other ones as well, could literally give specific websites or books that would help parents and teachers delve in and then be able to share that with their kids, students.
0: Um, I want to start with the mainstream comics. We are in a golden age of representation in mainstream comics of STEM. Uh, we have Riri Williams, who's a Chicago native, who's taken over as Iron Man. We have, um, and I forget, I forget the girl's name, but she was Unstoppable Wasp. And um, the the STEM representation in Unstoppable Wasp it only got, I think, eight issues, but it was one of the best written comics I've ever seen for how you can present women, like, realistically, into a comic. It was, did it, it was not forced representation. It was very much real and um, you have Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur, another great STEM, one. Uh, volume two of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur has first Lego League, and I use that volume all the time when I introduce my robotics, um, my robotics stuff to the students. And even without going in any sort of representation that's, that's extreme, you can even go with Squirrel Girl, who is a real looking superhero. And she is a computer science major, and I use her binary issue, I think it's number 11, I use the binary counting issue for my students when I teach binary, and it's so much fun. So there's a lot of great stuff out there for representation in STEM.
2: We have Secret Coders by Gene Yang. That oh, yeah. series is, oh, is pretty yeah. good. Oh yeah. <clears throat> we also have uh, Science Comics. There's one coming out. Science Comics about rockets that my friends uh, Jersey and Androsd uh, just did. It's available right now if you order through your local comic shop. So Science Comics. There's a number of ones through there. First Second has an, a wide variety. Of comics that relate to STEM.
3: That I was going to say for a second, and another reason to encourage parents and things to look at using STEM is it's a great way. For if you STEM in comics is a visual way to represent some very complex um, concepts that you can read about, you can talk about, but if you see it visually, it makes much more sense. And I would just reference Society
4: of Women Engineers, uh, SWE.org. We have a whole section for uh, parents and educators. Uh, we have an educator newsletter that's free to sign up for. Um, we also have a pre-college membership that's free called sweet Next, where girls get information on um, engineering challenges, camps. Uh, we do webinars with, with the actual working engineers. Um, sweet swag that they get. So it's just a great opportunity to kind of learn more about the um, we talk a lot about uh, math and science, but math and science is really a tool you use as an engineer. So a lot of times um, I think people think you need to be, you know, rock stars in these subjects. And yes, you do need to have some proficiency in them. Um, but it's it's not a field just for the geniuses. Um, you know, the field needs a lot of regular people as well. Um, and so it's it's really just, um, we provide a lot of resources that help you have those kinds
2: there was one more I wanted to mention, I'd be I'd feel terrible if I didn't. Um, <clears throat> the Manga Guide to Calculus, it's not just for, for middle school and high school. What? The Manga Guide to Calculus is amazing. I, I, I was a math major, my degree is in math. I, I don't have one of those wimpy math degrees for, for teachers, I have an actual math degree that I was three quarters, <laughs> no, uh, I'm sorry, I hope I didn't offend anybody there. At Western Michigan University, they took, the they took yeah. pride. And say, no, we're going to kick your butt with this math class. You're going to have only three <laughs> courses different than the engineering math people. I'm like, oh, thanks. Not that I need that for teaching seventh grade, right? But when I read the main guide to calculus, I looked at it and I said, that's what I learned as an undergrad? It was amazing. I, I was getting more from that book than I got in two, three years of calculus. It was amazing. So I wanted to mention that one. Well, it's by No Starch Press. I, love
1: I want to mention something, too, thanks to Renelle Whitaker. There's a book, a graphic novel called How Tunes, H-O-W-T-O-O-N-S, and it's STEM and STEAM and project-based, and it's really neat stuff you can do with either your family, kids, each other, kids can do it with each other. Uh, it's a really wonderful book, not only to learn about these concepts, but, but to have fun and, and sort of bond. A unit or a classroom or whatever your bonding is. So, um, one other thing, as a creator, I would be remiss if I didn't ask: Are there holes in terms of graphic literature and STEM? I mean, are there certain topics that you guys would like creators to make so that you can use them in the classroom? Um,
0: I, obviously, I'm going to say that we can never have enough STEM comics. Make more. Um, Anybody who can make more, go out there and make comics. But Honestly, the biggest hole I see in, in comics, the one thing I don't see represented enough and it's most important to me, is design thinking. The, the engineering building principles, the design, measure, build, iterate, keep doing it again. Um, I don't see that represented enough. It's the character knows what they're doing, they build it, it's cool, it works, or it doesn't work, they figure out why, then it works. I would actually like to see truly the design thinking uh, represented more frequently.
3: Um, For me as an elementary educator, lower elementary, like first, second grade, there are things out there, but especially in the STEM realm, there's not a lot, because it does tend towards the more complex, which is great, I'm not knocking that, but to have it more fleshed out um, would be
1: wonderful. Karen,
0: you got anything? Okay. Actually, can I also add chemistry? I'd like to see more chemistry. That would be fun. (laughs) I would say math, but I don't want the competition. (laughs)
1: Math. I'm
2: kidding. More done. math, please. Yeah,
1: more math. He'll be fine. There's more than
2: superheroes, trust me.
0: <laughs> Mole team for chemistry.
1: So, um, anything else you guys want to add before I open it up to the audience for question and answers?
0: I want to add the same thing I always add, which is that STEM um, isn't something that is a kit. It isn't something that you buy from somebody else. It's picking up parts around the house it's seeing something cool and wanting to recreate it. And it's finding ways to make whatever it is you can imagine real. Um, I have recently acquired a pet in my life. I have small children and they wanted a pet, so we got a lizard. And I could have bought a thermometer and a um, humidity sensor. Instead, I bought a Raspberry Pi and I bought a DHT11 sensor. And I just spent some time programming a Python script and uh, soldering together parts. And together, it cost me as much as buying a temperature and humidity sensor. But now it posts all of my lizards' um, stats online and I can check them. So it's really fun. It's, it's creating something cool out of nothing that was there before, it's finding parts and making something fun. And that for me is STEM. So try and do that when you get a chance. Yeah,
5: and I, w- I would just
4: add um, not to underestimate the value of encouraging kids. Um, you know if you see that you have students who are inquisitive you know they're interested in how things work or they they want to solve challenges or they want to make the world a better place i mean that's really stem and so to get some of those unconscious biases that we all have about um, who belongs in the stem profession and to really encourage
1: everybody that sounds good anyone have questions i want to start be brave You,
5: sir. Uh, I'm from Kentucky, where uh, teachers just took a big hit um, about a week ago uh, with their pensions being taken away, and um, it's like had a lot of people saying that being a teacher, just not just for STEM but for everything, like if stuff like that happens, then people don't want to be encouraged to do that. Um, What's have you guys? um, I mean, I see that you uh, worked STEM into your comments, but have you guys also worked teaching itself to your comments as well? Ooh, that's a good something to, that's a something to encourage people when it seems like <clears throat> the government, like government funding stuff is turning against
0: teachers in general. Yeah. Um, I'm part of, I stay a very active part of my local unions. Um, I, I participate regularly to defend teachers. I'm actually the vice, uh, vice chair of the National Education Association's uh, Science Caucus. So I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, Last Friday was the NIU uh, Sui honors dinner, and I got a question about teachers. And the question was, while I'm graduating from college, why would I want to become a teacher? And one of the fears that people often have is that those who can't do, teach. And that's wrong. It's very, very wrong. Because I used to do, I used to build houses, I used to use STEM principles every day. And I could drive past that house with my kids and I could point to it and I could say, I built that. And my kids would go, okay. But (laughs) um, now as a teacher, I'm not building something that I can show to other people. I'm building students. And those students are gonna go out and they're gonna build something else. And to me, that's what it is to be a teacher. Um, In reality, I'm at a new job this year because my last school cuts our STEM program out. They eliminated it. So I had to find a new job. Um, and I did. But I don't stop fighting for STEM. Every day that I'm in there, I've looked at the teachers around me and said, hey, there's a grant that nobody applies for that's a STEM grant. If you just included a little bit more STEM in your class, you could do it, and you'll get free money. Well, nothing gets teachers excited like free money.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but that's how I encourage it. And with my students, I have a career project, because I have them program a website, and they have to make one of their websites that my future career. It's, I call it the What I Want to Be When I Grow Up page. And one of the things they have to do is they have to tell me what career they want to be. And any student who comes to me and they're like, I want to be a teacher, I'm like, do you really want to be a teacher? Do you know what that means? And it's a, it's a very important step for students to take. I encourage students to be teachers with each other in my classroom. I will let the students who get done with the project first. I won't tell them, they're like, oh, so what do we do now? I'm like, you can either improve it or you can help your classmates. And by the end of the trimester, because I, I only have them for one trimester, I find that I have these students, six or seven of them in every class, that are hopping around, helping everybody, doing all the projects and working. And those are the teachers in my class. I didn't tell them to be teachers. I didn't tell them that teaching is fun. Um, But what I did is I told them they could help somebody else, and that's how I encourage education.
2: Because of how my brain works, as soon as you asked me that question, I was already working out how to do it in my head. But I don't have time. Why don't you do it? You like comics, you're here at C2E2. You should do that. It's a great idea. And I think I know a lot of teachers who would read that, and I think I know a lot of undergrads who would read that. Say, what does it take to be a teacher? Show me a graphic story of a teacher. I don't think I've seen one. I mean, outside of Black Lightning, and that's not realistic. I mean, even from 1977 when he started, it's like, "Uh, no, fired, fired, suspended, fired. Just like every teacher show that's ever been on TV or in the movies, like, no, fired, suspended. It just can't happen. You should do that. Make a realistic teacher comic. Why
0: not? It's a great idea. I didn't even think of making a comic because it's kind of embarrassing that I forgot that I had actually written a teacher comic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm following in Jim's footsteps. I wrote a comic I believed in, and I'm currently trying to find people that will let me pay them to draw it, which is a lot harder than you'd expect. It is for me.
1: I'll help you. It All is, hard. Right. So I can help you, too.
0: So say, why don't you act? What's
1: it called, Mike?
0: Blackboard, whiteboard, smartboard.
1: Actually, why don't you tell them a little bit, maybe there's an artist in here. Just a brief, you know, synopsis, can you?
0: The the first story I wrote, um, it started out as a 10-page story, and it is of a a teacher who's burnt out in a school that can barely afford to keep the lights on, with a transient population. And he ends up, um, and I I hate to give it all away, but nobody else will read it, so... (laughs) Um, he he makes a great connection with a student who doesn't have a place, and so what happens is when the student's parents move to follow work, he drives out to pick the kid up every day to bring him to school, so, because he would be taken and moved to another school and get forgotten, and it, it follows the relationship that the teacher and that student build over time. See, and now you got me really thinking. So, to make the case for
2: the for the people for the teachers in Kentucky for example when I every time I read a story it's always about oh teachers only work nine months a year you get all the holidays a story that undoes that would be amazing
1: yeah we, we haven't
4: worked uh, teachers into our comics but one of the things we do is a lot of advocacy in Washington um, and educating our members that they need to be advocating for the profession um, and for things like STEM education so, um, you know, we always talk about if, if you're not out there talking about the importance of these things, you can't really expect others to do it. So, any opportunity that we have to uh, to talk with legislators and their staffs, and, and to train our members to feel comfortable doing that, you know, whether it can be at a local school board meeting where they're, you know, talking about eliminating, uh, you know, advanced math or something, um, because it's important. Yeah,
0: I want to piggyback off two of those things. One. You don't have to have money in your classroom, or even have a STEM program to have uh, by your school to have a STEM program. The, there's a lot of SWE programs and other organizations out there that allow you to create STEM clubs. And it doesn't, even though it's a Society of Women Engineers, it's not an all-girls club. You can bring everybody into it, and it allows you to uh, opens up the door to apply for more grants. It opens up the door to get more support and more funding. And also for those of you who are interested in actually um, advocating for education as well. Uh, I've been applying for a fellowship called the Albert Einstein Fellowship and it allows you it is a seven-month program that pairs you with a from the Department of Energy and it pairs you with legislators and you work with those legislators to explain to them why they need to support STEM education and I'm really hoping fingers crossed that I'll get the fellowship and I'll be able to do that
1: That actually, oh sorry Jim, were you going to say something? I I was just thinking to build on that a little bit. Are there other specific grants or areas that people in the audience could know about that either, uh, what do I want to say, helps underrepresented people or women or just I guess our students in general um, go towards STEM that teachers can apply for institutions or are places we should lobby, as Karen said, because I think, you know, obviously government, whether we like it or not, influences a lot of this stuff. Can you give some specifics, anybody? Places to go, websites, etc. cetera?
2: Um, I have one from Indiana. Is anybody from Indiana? The Lilly Endowment Teacher Creativity Fellowship. Get one. I got one for $10,000 a couple of years ago to make Solutions Squad into a digital comic. It's a, now a $12,000 fellowship. You make your application, you submit it, you have to have a technology aspect, a travel aspect, a creativity aspect, and it's $12,000 of free money to execute a plan that's six weeks of full-time work in the summertime, you document it a little bit, and the money is yours. I got a laptop, I got a Cintiq graphics tablet, I got an iPad, and I got $3,000 that a stipend to spend my summer making comics. So Lily Endowment Teacher Creativity Fellowship, write it down
3: if you're a teacher and you're not talking to your local library about what stem programs they have libraries are doing tons more stem programs with robotics with coding with all kinds of things talking to them because they may give you materials to bring into your classroom they may come in themselves or offer to host something after school um, talk to your libraries because they have a lot of resources as well
1: and that would be true for parents too i want to emphasize that parents can go into the library, or can you guys maybe speak about how parents can be part of this process as well? Because I don't know how many teachers are out there, but even teachers or parents look at Mike and Jim. Yeah. And maybe others I don't know about.
0: Well, I, I would add one last thing on the grants thing. Okay. Is that I used to be a um, on a chair, on a board for giving out scholarships, and we literally couldn't give the money away. People weren't applying for it. Wow. So there's a lot of money out there waiting for you to go get it. Start just Google search literally grants for whatever topic, whatever subject. There's money that people want to give you. And as far as encouraging parents, um, I would always encourage parents to engage in STEM with their students because I can take my kids out and we can you know do whatever. But what do they remember from last year? Building and shooting off rockets uh, or making slime because that was a really cool thing my daughter was into on YouTube. Um, those things that if you embrace, what they're interested in, there's a lot of STEM opportunities for you as a parent to engage with your, with your kids. And there's a lot of cross communication, like you said, between libraries and schools that they can support each other as well.
1: Are there specific resources online? I mean, certain websites or um, blogs you guys could recommend for parents? Yeah, again, back to Sweet we have a lot of
4: resources for both parents and educators. Um, one of the things we do is we do a lot of hands-on activities around the country. And as we have the, the day-long event for girls, we run a concurrent program for parents. We call it PEP, Parents and Educator Program. Um, and we found it to be incredibly successful just in terms of educating parents about, one, you know, the opportunities that are available with an engineering degree, um, scholarship opportunities that are out there, particularly for girls and, and under, underrepresented minorities. Um, how to encourage uh, your daughter or the girl that's in your life to pursue these things. Um, you know, a chance to talk with with working engineers and engineering students to find out, you know, what's it really like to study engineering, what's it really like to work in the profession. So, um, I would say, you know, if you're if you're bringing your daughter to an event uh, or your son, um, see what activities they maybe have going on for the parents as well.
1: Karen, you and I were talking outside. Do you just want to mention a couple of cool careers that engineers get to do that maybe a lot of people, I didn't know about them? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we hear
4: is, you know, particularly for girls, they they want to make an impact, impact people's lives. Um, And so some of the things that are happening, like in biomedical engineering, you know, you you don't have to become a doctor um, to really positively impact people's lives from, you know, some of the things happening with prosthetics and medical devices. Um are just amazing. Um, aerospace engineering. Yeah. we have we have engineers that work at places like Boeing and NASA and SpaceX. And so um, you know these really cool things that you're seeing in YouTube videos. Um, those are those are the things that engineers are working on.
0: Can I follow up? Yeah. My daughter is five years old and she wants to be a chemist. Um, <laughs> so I started taking her to the jelly belly factory in Ferrara, Pan. Because she gets to see chemistry in action and she's interested because it's candy. Mm-hmm. So you can find those kinds of things out there for the kids. And if you just ask people, hey, can I come see what you do? A lot of places will be like, yeah, definitely. Come on in. Oh, I love that
1: idea. Jelly mm-hmm. belly. You mm-hmm. need to write a book about that. How you get parents to do cool, weird stuff with their
5: kids. That'd be a <laughs> good graphic novel.
1: Following your kids' curiosity. Like, what are they interested
3: in? Have them question, have them research with them, investigate with them, uh, that's hugely powerful. You're validating that yes, what you're interested in is cool, let's learn about it together. So you're mm-hmm. learning along with them because you don't have to have all the answers. It's okay not to know.
0: Yeah, with my students, they love Fortnite. And um, it's, a, it's a video game. And I'm like, okay, so see all those cool things you build in Fortnite? That's, that's engineering right there. You're using the different component parts to build something. And I just paid attention to what my kids like, and I, I bring it into my classroom
1: now did you have a question
2: yeah um, so I know we know that, that this topic is important we know that using comics can uh, be a way to kind of engage kids but what advice do you all have for educators out there who say you know I have all the assessments I have to give I have all the assessments I have to get
5: to yeah. when do I have time to meaningfully build something like this
3: into my classroom yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, there the amount of cross-curricular work you can do with graphic novels is incredible, um, especially when you get to middle in high school. There's a lot more of the traditional literature, like Monte Cristo and um, Jane Austen that are now in graphic novel form. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Common Core, and there's all those multimedia type um, standards that you feel like you never get to, two birds, one stone. You can look at it that way. It's more accessible. It gives them a way to tackle really deep content that so you still do meet all those standards that you need to assess it's just in a different
0: format. I look at creating those I'm sorry I look at creating those resources as Alice in Wonderland the White Queen I believe said you have to if you you have to run as fast as you can to stay where you are and if you want to get somewhere you have to run faster yeah I make a lot of work and I don't have time for it but when it's something I care about and I know it'll engage the students I might lose an hour of sleep or I might stay after work or I might, you know, think about it on the weekend or all of those things I find the time for it. And even if I can't find the time for it, I find ways to just model it by having it there and talking about the things that I enjoy. As a benefit of getting old,
2: I don't require as much sleep as I used to. I get up at 4 o'clock every morning and I work <laughs> on my stuff. I'm not kidding. I, I believe you. I, I, I have what I call two full-time jobs. To, to do what I do and to teach effectively at the same time, I have to put in the time, either you do or you don't. So, um, by the way, before everybody bleeds out, I see people starting to get up and leave. Amy and I will be at, in Artist Alley at, at table N12. If you want to talk about anything that we've spoken about, if you want to follow up with anything, we're, we're happy to talk to you. Um, I have another panel right after this, but with the rest of the weekend, we should be there. Question
1: in the back? Did you guys hear that? Comic titles for elementary age? I got that question in my last
3: panel, and I've completely blanked on all the <laughs> ones that I usually uh, recommend. Um, but for a second is a, a publisher I continue to go back to. Um, STEM-wise, I would use a lot of Max Axiom uh, because that was something that my school had purchased, and I stumbled across it. Um, and it, it goes through a lot of really great science concepts um, in, a, in a graphic novel format. Um, if you stop by N12 later, I will have more titles for you.
0: Thank you. I would say, depending on elementary, um, I would say that it's not necessarily STEM, but it's education in general and just being a good human being. Lumberjanes, always a good choice. Um, it's, a, it's my daughter loves them, and it's a great comic for kids.
1: Lots of representation too. Anybody else
5: want to add? Oh. Oh, yes, Do you have I'll another. Have about representation and making sure they see themselves in these concepts. Um, are there ways that
3: you built that in your classroom that maybe fall through it of word problem or given creating? Um I had my students create their own characters. And, and looking at story structure and how compelling stories are written. <laughs> um I took from a couple different places just character generators and they built their own characters, and if you looked at them, they really reflected who they were. So they started writing their own stories. Just like Jim said, if it's not there, make it. Uh, And so my kids really did that, and I went back um, about a month ago, I'm at a different school now, and I went back about a month ago to my kids that I taught two years ago, and they're still creating stories that were coming up to say, look what I made, look what I made, here's how I found this connection. So encouraging them, if you don't see it, make it yourself. And it's very powerful to empower them that way.
0: In my class, uh, a lot of students work in group projects as they build stuff. And I don't just put a group together. I say, okay, who's filling the role of the electrical engineer? Who's the mechanical engineer? Who's the structural engineer? Who's going to be for whatever the project is? And And I tell them, I'm like, okay, so the chemical engineer needs to do this or the mechanical engineer needs to do that. They start seeing themselves as engineers. They take that title on themselves. And that's where they start to believe that they can be it. One of the things that Amy and I have been working on is a
2: little game system she was talking about earlier where you create the characters. I have these pamphlets. You can just come to my table. I should give you the pamphlets because they're extremely incomplete. But what it is is called, we call it Heroes of Steam. Yeah, STEM is the thing. Steam is the thing. I even had a, a, work, um, a little workshop this fall where the, te- the person running it came in and said, in our school we call it stream. We've added reading. Say. So, and, the, and then she followed up, this is the best quote of all time. She goes, pretty soon it's just going to be called school again. <laughs> we, we keep adding, we keep adding, we keep adding. But So I, I, it's Heroes of Steam, and the thing is, we have, we're, you make characters based on the STEM concepts, and like Amy said, you can make any kind of character that you want, but then we've added this uh, little little tidbit to it. You then roll up the characters using 12-sided dice, and they fight each other like Pokemon. Nice. So once you have your character idea, then you have to build the game mechanics and it's a very, very basic game so that kids can master it. I mean, within five minutes, within five minutes, they'll play each other. We use clicks for miniatures. hero clicks are super cheap if you buy them in bulk. Um, you could use Lego minifigs. Those are very popular. I, I, I like those too. And then we, I, I set for demonstrations, I use a magnetic tape and I stick magnetic tape to the bottom and I put them up on my dry erase board and I project the game map up there just to demonstrate how it works. You can use any hand-drawn map, anything will work. And just using 12-sided dice multiplied together to reinforce those math skills, right? Then you have a game system. And then, so since it's so basic, this is all I'm ever gonna do. I hate making games, it's hard. <laughs> it's a very basic game system to, to fight each other in mock combat. They're just training, remember, they're not trying to kill each other. But the fun part about it is, I didn't include anything about flight, or invisibility, or having cover, or ranged weapons. Then you let the students build upon that. Let them make the rules based on the logic of the game system that they see in front of them. It's really simple, it's very easy to adapt, and then let them build it together, and then they can figure out cooperatively how the world actually works. And that's once again building, which is part of STEM.
0: You're the Gary Gygax of Steam.
2: I'll pass on that one.
1: <laughs> Any other questions? Ooh, two, I'm so excited. Hi, Do you have time with the Pierce of Steam
5: thing will be done and more readily available? I'm sorry, I'm hard of hearing. It's when no
2: when will it be more Heroes available? Pierce of Steam
0: is
5: ready, will be readily available.
2: We have it today.
1: I think that's as far as he's going,
0: yes. (laughs) Right
2: now,
3: as we were designing it, we intentionally kept it pretty simple, so you could adapt it and adjust it for your grade level, for how into it your kids are and things like that. So it's very simple, we have the PDF, we can email it to you, we can give you hard copies of it. Uh,
2: But right now, I'm working on characters that each stand for the S-T-E-A-N-M, because everybody loves acronyms, right? (laughs) So yeah, with, with each of them I'm having a character and the, the science character is going to have a name that starts with S. The technology character is going to have a name that starts with T, because it's cute and everybody likes that stuff. <laughs> It'll be soon, this summer.
5: Is there a question over here? Yes. Um, so I work actually in an all girls school. school, um, high school teaching um, English and theater. And we struggle because our school Really a STEM program? They don't talk to any of us in fine arts or get us involved. Any thoughts that you guys have? Ways that we can help pull that steam maybe into fine arts since we can't get into it <laughs> Like any resources? Um, like that?
3: Have you? Because you said you're a the theater teacher, right? Yes. Have you talked to them about construction? Um, about that's, technical? That's
5: one. I teach technical theater. <clears throat> is one of my big things um, there. Of bringing. My technical theater classes but my acting classes. That makes me very happy
3: because I'm also a technical theater per okay. se. So, um, that w- that would be my first instinct is if you're looking to bring your theater in, talk to them like here's all the electrics of it. Here's the physics you have to have. Like just building a staircase, the proportions you have to have okay. for that fits right in. So having those direct conversations of what are you okay. teaching, how, how do you, they do you do? get
5: students to recognize that this is engineering? I teach all that, but I that introduce. Thing. like they have like a this is, this is this, 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 is this is this class and this is this class like they're
3: very if you have the flexibility of co-teaching or swapping classes that can be really powerful just having that teacher there saying this is really the same thing and helping facilitate those connections just that visual can be really
4: powerful yeah or, or bringing in an engineer or two who work in those fields and can really make that real world connection
2: tell them where you play amy Tell them about the theater. What about theater? Where do you play?
3: Tell them. I w kind of. Oh, you're not supposed to. I'm on a sabbatical right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a stage manager and technical theater on my like fourth and fifth job on the side, Um, but uh, yeah, so I do a lot of logistics and things like
0: that. I will say, um, I've been struggling with the question of how to integrate lessons with teachers for a while, especially with STEM, and the one thing I find is that I can tell them they need to do this and they need to include more STEM and they, we can talk about it, but the only way I can ever get them to do it is if I give them something they can use tomorrow. If I give them a pre-made material, they're going to do it. If I tell them about it, they're going to be like, oh, that's cool, you're giving me more work. So give them something to do and that they can use, and they'll do it.
2: You know, it just occurred to me, it's like, with, with the fine arts, cosplay, building armor. That's true. What I've seen, some of the cosplay I've seen? LEDs. Wow. Yeah. That's fine arts and it's technical at the same time. That's a great example.
3: I have a friend of mine who um, works at Metropolis Theater in uh, the suburbs. If anyone's familiar with that, she's a costume designer. And she had um, yay! She had fifth graders come in as like a looking at different jobs in areas in fine arts, and they all retold the story of Little Red Riding Hood. And she split them into three groups and said, "Your theme is futuristic." your theme is uh, present day and your theme is traditional and she let them just go through the comic shop the, or the costume shop and they had to build the costumes or put together pieces to tell that theme and explain why it was relevant to them. Oh. So, That's
1: yeah. neat. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, oh, before, I don't know if there's any other questions but I do need a little announcement. If you haven't already signed up either at that table or that table for a pop culture classroom, um, do so now because when the panel finishes, I will be picking random numbers and giving away the four comics that are sitting there patiently waiting for owners. So and just do it now or you, know, you won't be eligible.
2: Just for fun, I'll throw one of my books in for you
1: too. Oh great, Jim, so now I get to pick five. Yay. Uh, any other questions? back there sorry ayes
0: now
3: if you just go to your neighborhood school or district and just say I would like to help with this they will love you yeah. uh, because I mean you've heard like oh where do I find the resources right but if you have those resources offer them and you will find plenty of opportunities
0: I've never met a school that's going to turn down a qualified speaker to come talk about something because it's hard enough to get somebody to be like hey kids um, You know, from the technical skills aspect, to teach coding, I had to ease it in because the school was afraid they were going to be hackers if I taught them HTML coding. Uh. Imagine how scared they were when I said, I want to have a cybersecurity team and participate in the uh, Air Force Association cyber patriot program. It took four years to convince them I wasn't crazy. Wow. Anyone else want to
1: chime in? That's a great question. I, I didn't even think of that. How cool. You can just create your employees for down the road. It's very smart,
3: actually. And sometimes just kids seeing somebody different than their teacher that they stare at for six to seven hours a day can be really powerful. Just hearing a different voice, a different face.
4: And I would say even just, um, you know, I think starting in your own community is great. But think about some of the communities um, in your area that maybe are really underserved and having access to role models and that, um, they, you know, you think the, the local school will be grateful. Um, those schools will be even more grateful. Um, I
5: teach at an after school program. Of Boys and a so we um, always love volunteers like that too, because we are an after school program, so we're not in a traditional classroom setting. Or so maybe we couldn't hear
3: your situation for the Boys and Girls Club and for after school programs, so if you can't get away during the day, look
1: at after school programs. Boys and Girls Clubs, Girl Scouts, um, YMCA,
5: YWCA.
1: And how do we find your clubs? it just I, I'm ignorant. I'm not a parent or a teacher. Uh, do we go online? Are there certain sites?
0: I go to the local Chamber of Commerce. Most clubs are located there. Um, they can point me in the direction of the after school programs because um, I do a lot of uh, STEM demonstrations in schools and clubs and libraries and things all over. Um, you can find a lot of the clubs just by going to the national website and looking for things in the area and signing up for newsletters. You know, uh, I know that SWE is always looking for people to come to different events and I get newsletters all the time and I try to make as many of them as I can.
3: Yeah, I'm checking out Chamber Converse, um, libraries, even asking the schools themselves because they'll have the after school information because kids need before and after care. So they can give you that as well. So it's kind of one-stop shopping that's good to know anything else
1: any other questions okay you guys got to sit here for a minute because I got to find out how many numbers how many names we have so then I can give out books so bear with me or come up with another question or if you guys have parting remarks maybe that's what we'll do why don't each of you do a little closing closing remarks or recap yeah,
4: sure. So, I, again, I would just like to, to um, hammer home the point of the fact that, really, the future of jobs in to this country numbers. is we STEM. To um, the, you know, the data shows us that that's where the jobs, especially the good-paying jobs, are going to be. Um, some of those are even going to be just with two-year community college degrees. Um, in addition to the four-year degrees, um, you know things like technicians, where there's huge numbers of, of boomers retiring, um, and a lot of industries like um, you know power and petroleum and that are, are just like terrified of, of how they're going to fill these roles. So um, I think to just really encourage kids that there are so many opportunities, and you know if if it's working with your hands, if it's other kinds of problem solving. That there's just opportunities for everybody there, and, and there are scholarships, and there are camps, and there are clubs, and there are all kinds of things that kids can get engaged with face to face as well as online. So, um, just to really be an advocate for STEM.
3: I mean, I kind of said it before, but my big thing is always curiosity. If the kids are interested, follow it because that can everything connects to each other. And You will find a way to connect it to STEM, to connect it to reading, to connect it to whatever your topic is as an educator, as a parent, whatever it is. There's learning to be had in everything.
2: I would just like to take the opportunity to say, as I encourage this man right here. Guys, I'm not the only one who can do this. If you are a teacher and if you know your subject material, anybody can do this. I'm not going to lie to you, it takes hard work, but it would be so nice to have more people doing it that are teachers. We've had books out that are specifically educating for the classroom and various subjects, but they weren't created by teachers. They were created by well-meaning, but not educators. Your voice should be heard. We need more of us out there making the comics and making the pop culture references that, that people are going to adapt to STEM situations. We need you. Get involved and do this, it's fun. It's hard, but it's fun. Every, every minute that I've spent, and it's thousands and thousands, have been totally worth it. So please join us.
0: Do this. I would like to add that we live in an age when the Internet has given us a place to start. Between Instructables and YouTube and just the, entire, the entirety of human knowledge in one place of, of electronic learning. Anything I can think of, if I want to build it, I can go figure out how to learn. I can learn how to build it online. If I've never done something before, I can figure out how to do it online. If my students are interested and I've, I don't know what they're asking me about, I can find out what it is. And by creating a the atmosphere of, oh, let's find out about that, it's really neat, let's build it. And it creates the idea for students that you can make anything, that you can dream of if you just take the time to learn how it's done and create it yourself. And that is a gift that we don't take advantage of enough, that everything out there for students exists. We are the teachers, we're the curators of all that information to find it, to direct them, to to inspire them, and to show them that it can be done. We have to model it in what we do. So if my students ask, you know, oh, how can we make this? Wouldn't it be cool? I'm like, yeah, we could. And then the next day I show up, I'm like, hey, I made a sketch. I'm pretty sure we could make this for around 25 bucks. And then I show up a week later, and am like, hey, look what I built. It only cost me 15. My students are amazed by that. And they realize they can do it themselves. And then they start doing that very same thing with other things in their life. So I think that just be a model for an inquisitive learner and an engineer. And everything you build, whether you think you're an engineer or not, you can be an engineer. It's, it's that easy. Now, whether you're a professional engineer, that's a lot of schooling, but just building things yourself and thinking like an engineer, that's, that's what everybody can do and should model.
1: I want to thank you guys. This was a terrific panel. I know I learned a lot, so thank
5: you very much.
0: Well, that was the panel I had. It was a great set of panelists, and I would like to give my thanks to the Society of Women Engineers for having me as one of their ambassadors It was a wonderful opportunity to talk to so many uh, great people in the crowd. I know the podcast doesn't exactly show it to you, but there was at least 100 people in the crowd. I counted it closer to 130. It was really neat. And I just can't believe that every year we keep growing and every year people keep coming back to see what we do over and over again. It is an amazing opportunity. It is so fulfilling to be around teachers who really want to learn from other teachers. Um, So that's it for me this week. You can find me coming up later this month, April uh, 18th through the 21st. I will be at the Illinois Education Association Representative Assembly in Rosemont, Illinois. Yes, I got it on the first try this time. And after that, I will be at the Denver Comic Con. That is coming up in June. It'll be right around my birthday. I don't know the exact date yet. And then following that, I have many, many things coming up that I can't wait to tell you about as soon as I get days fixed for them. So... Have a good week, and I look forward to talking to you again.